0: Hi there, my name is Michael Harris. I'm really excited you're here today. I'm host of Falling Up Radio. We're gonna have a really great show today. Um, we have a really amazing guest that just has experienced so much in life and has so much to share with us. First though, I've, I've gotta tell you, of course, Falling Up Radio, you may be watching on the website the actual video or you may be listening on iTunes or Stitcher or one of the other places. But I want to let you know, my book, Falling Down, Getting Up, you can go to the website, uh, Falling Up Radio, and you can download a free copy, and there's a few other goodies in there, so you're invited to do that. And you'll never miss an episode. You'll, you'll be subscribed to the show, and you'll get notifications of all of our episodes. Uh, a few other things I, I did want to mention. I recently got these uh, cool little hats. I don't know if you can see it very well. It says Falling Up Radio. I just ordered about 10 of them, five blue and five black, just to see whether I like them. And they're already gone except for this one because some friends of mine liked them so much they needed to have one. So anyway, with that being said, I want to get right to our guest. I really just met our guest today. We've we exchanged a couple of emails. Um, but the way that we uh, came together, so, so to speak, is Les Brown is coming to Band Oregon here April 24th, the end of this year. So, I mean, the end of this year, the, the end of this next month. And we're going to be speaking with him as well as some, some other um, individuals and other entrepreneurs Um, We get a chance to uh, be on stage and have this incredible conversation with the audience and everybody else. So if you're able to get to Band Oregon April 24th, again, this is 2019, you could be listening to this in 2021. I don't know. But, you know, come on down. Um, So anyway, our guest today, Aaron Young, Aaron Scott Young, he likes to go by too, is really a renowned entrepreneur. He has well over 30 years experience. He's built several multi-million dollar businesses and he's really developed a success formula for business owners that really want to, as Aaron talks about, we're going to jump in this with, with him as well, wants to be unshackled, an unshackled business owner. And I'm really looking forward to Aaron's description of that there's a whole bunch here. Again, he's a lifelong entrepreneur. He's an engaging speaker. I've got all these notes that, that I've written on him. He's appeared in Forbes, CBS, ABC, Inc. He's a celebrated keynote breakout speaker. Again, I could go on and on, but I think we'd probably run out of time. So, uh, Aaron, welcome to the show. I'm really tickled that you're able to be here today
1: oh thank you michael what a pleasure for me to be here and what under such interesting and, and uh and uh honored circumstances you know with us both being on this program with les who's just yes. a legend in the speaking yeah. industry
0: yeah yeah I'm, I'm i'm really tickled to be be able to do that and right here in my own hometown because this is where i live and so uh our friend uh gail kingsbury brought him here Um, to really kick off this discussion. And it's going to be really great, not only for Ben, but for everybody. Yeah. I want to jump right into something. I I want to ask you a question as an entrepreneur to an entrepreneur. It took me a while to really realize this, but when I was a kid, 11, 12 years old, oh. 11 or 12 years old, that there, there is a lawn and garden shop nearby, and people you know would go in and buy their lawnmowers there. For at that time they weren't very expensive, 50, 100 bucks, whatever they were, and they would turn in their old lawnmowers, and we'd go over there and we would pay a buck or two, literally, for these turned in lawnmowers, and would push them back a couple of blocks back to my house. We'd fix them up, we'd clean them up, we'd wash them up, we'd put an ad in the paper, and we'd sell them for 25, 30 bucks and guarantee them for 30 days. I didn't realize that I was being an entrepreneur at that time, I was just a kid trying to make some money. Where were, where, where were you first an entrepreneur? Where did you kind of kick it off?
1: First of all, what a cool story. And this word entrepreneur, while it's not a new word at all, has become super vogue over the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years. Mm -hmm. You're right. When we were kids, we were Mm -hmm. just trying to figure out how to make a little money. Um, I grew up in a family, mom, dad, as a matter of fact, my parents just celebrated um, 56 years of marriage. Wow. And, um, you know, mom and dad, they love each other. They loved us. I was the oldest of five kids, Um, but we didn't have a lot of money. And so if you were going to have anything – extra, you're, you had to figure out how to pay for that yourself, or at least I discovered that I would have to pay for it my, myself. Yeah. No one ever told me this. It was just obvious. Yeah. And uh, my entrepreneurial journey started when I was 14 years old, really when I was 16. When I was 14, a guy from church said, do you know how to paint?
0: Mm-hmm. I said,
1: paint pictures? He said, no, paint walls. And I mm-hmm. said, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I could do it. And he, he managed an apartment complex and was looking for somebody cheap to come and help him turn the apartments over when they were yeah. changing. Um, I did that for a couple of years. And when I was 16, had my driver's license, got invited to the owner of that building and a whole bunch of other buildings to paint his exterior of his house. Mm-hmm. During that time, I got to know him and his wife and, and um, somewhere along the line, I asked him, "What do you pay your managers to turn these apartments?" Because mm-hmm. I'm getting three fifty an hour right now from your manager. This is back in 1980. Sure. I'm getting three fifty an hour, and I'll do all of your apartments all over town for ten dollars an hour. And wow. he said, "Great, let's do that." Yeah, and. So I started buying my own equipment and, and going out and getting other teenagers to come help me work. And that's where I started kind of working out this idea that you can scale. You can take on more business you can personally handle. And if you get organized, you can scale it and make money from a whole bunch of people's efforts. Yeah. Um, probably I picked it up from Tom Sawyer, who did the same thing, <laughs> painting a fence, right? whitewashing washing a fence. So in the book. So that was where I started. And it's, it just kind of leapfrogged from there. It's really, with the exception of three years, it's the only thing I've ever done since I was 16 was work for
0: myself. So you actually did work for somebody else for a while.
1: Yeah, I i had, I had a, a, so I had this great trajectory where I was, I'm going up. Uh, I went from our first little, when I got married, we just, I've been married 32 years. Um, we were in a little basement apartment. We bought our first home. We bought our second home. We had brand new cars. I was, in a, I was one of the first cellular phone dealers in the Portland area. We had lots of stores and employees. And then the market changed. They wanted to get away from guys like us and go to the big box stores. And um, we learned in a meeting that the whole world was gonna change for us. But I thought as a mid-20s, uh, you know, too, too successful for my own good, kid. I, um, I thought, well, I can ride this storm out. Everybody else around me is going out of business. I can figure it out. Um, I was wrong. I couldn't, out, I couldn't beat the market, mm-hmm. right? I mm-hmm. learned that at the 27-year-old as we, as we just epically exploded this company into the dirt. And um, in, out of the wreckage came a lunch conversation mm-hmm. with a fellow that I just knew had a nice car. I, I knew him, again, from church, but I didn't know anything about him. And he said, would you be open to having a job? And I said, I don't even know if I'd be qualified to have a job. Yeah. And uh, he said, I said, what's the job? He said, I'd like, you to hire, I'd like to hire you to be our vice president of sales. Um, we have 350 offices around the world. We're publicly traded on NASDAQ. Um, I think you're just what we need. Wow. And I'm like,
0: What? Yeah, so that's not a job. That's
1: like, it, yeah. Oh, for many people, it'd be a career maker. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, at 29, I was vice president of a, of a pretty large public company. Wow. And I did it for three and a half years and then just left one day, kind of on a whim. Nope, there was no problem. Nope, nothing. I just, he said, What's the matter? Is it money? Is it, what's the problem? I said, No, this is just, this is not my dream. This is your dream. Mm-hmm and I went back to be an entrepreneur.
0: That that's interesting because in 1992, I went to, it was 92, when I I, I went to work for a company called Great Performance in Beaverton, Oregon. And I was our assistant controller. We made health and wellness videos for corporations and, and government. And we had about 50 employees and a company called Mosby Yearbook came along and made an offer on the company and bought the company. And here I was sitting in a back room, you know, no windows, assistant controller, I was managing the the bank money and and all that kind of stuff and the credit lines and and such. And the owner sold the company and pocketed quite a bit of money. Sure. And didn't give any of us any money. You know, I thought, you know, even if he gave, gave us all at that time a couple thousand bucks, it would have been great, right? And I told the controller, I said, this company's going to be gone within a year. And he says, oh, no, 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 we're going to get all this money. Mosley's huge. And I said, no, I'm putting in my 60 day notice. And it was like, I was sitting in this room doing all this stuff, helping this other guy make money. And then at the end, he made money, but I didn't. And I thought there's something wrong with this picture. And ever since then, I've never worked for anybody else in my life. And it was like, it was that motivation to get out and figure out how to make it work. Sometimes it's worked, sometimes it hasn't. So you, because you, you work with so many different types of business owners and the unshackled business owner, what is really that process of getting that person to really I, I think you say rather than the, the business running you having the, the business run itself. I don't remember the exact terminology, but maybe you can explain that.
1: Well, I think, yeah, I think the the expression that I, I've used in some of the things I've written says build a business that works harder for you than you have to work for it. Exactly. And um, I was thinking about you, you know, you made a choice You made first, you made a choice to go to work and you made a deal. You accepted a salary or hourly or whatever you did. And you got paid for your efforts. And that was really, that's all you were owed. Yeah. Right. And, but, but you had enough, um, foresight to see that, that there's a different way that doesn't have to be in the windowless room as the staff, accounting person, assistant yeah. controller, right? That's um, that's just getting your little uh, meager amount. What is that poem about, um, I bargained with life for a penny and life would pay no more, no matter I argued it evening when counting my scanty store?
0: Oh, uh, I like that. I don't think I've heard that.
1: Oh, well, let me finish it. It's almost over. Yeah. Uh, for life is a just... Best- <laughs> For life is a just employer, it will give you what you ask, but once you have set the terms, while you must, uh, after you've set the, the, so you you must perform the task. Um, I bargained, I settled with life for a penny only to learn dismayed, any price I had asked of life, life would have willingly paid. Mm. And so you learned it. You learned it early that. Mm. You don't have to be that person working hour. Now, listen, almost everybody should be working for somebody else. Mm -hmm. There's, There's only a tiny sliver of people who are mentally, you know, challenged enough to want to do the work that an entrepreneur will do, take the risk and know that the odds are five out of six that they're going to fail. They're going to spend their money. They're going to max their credit cards out. They're going to get money from grandma and grandpa or mom and dad or take their, their, their 401k money and self-direct it into some franchise or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: most, most people shouldn't do that. The ones who should are the ones who see the world differently. Yeah. They see opportunities. They see a way that something could be better. They see that they 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 feel innately that why isn't somebody else doing this? And see when you when you see the world through those lenses, the likelihood of being successful as as your own boss goes way up. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the reason most people don't make it is because they lack either even if their idea is good, they lack the funding to sort of survive long enough to get their legs under them, or they lack the experience or the knowledge, the, the um, operational understanding of how to run a business rather than just have a great idea. Yeah. Having a great idea is, um, is important, but you can take a mediocre idea with a great um, execution and do really well compared to somebody with a great idea and poor execution who just you know, goes in the gutter. Yeah. Anyway, that was a long answer to your question.
0: No, that, that that's great because you, you what I heard you say is, I mean, you really broke down that process, you know, and how somebody um, is really qualified to be hired as an entrepreneur. I'm going to use that term because somebody's hiring us to be an entrepreneur working for ourselves. And sometimes we are working for other people. Um, you, yeah, you, and
1: you, and you, as I say, there's, I don't think one is better than the other. I think that people ought to to play to their personal strengths. Mm -hmm. They ought to do what they're great at. And if you end up being the owner of the company, great. If you end up working for somebody else, great. If you end up working alone, great. Um, As long as you're sort of leveraging whatever your innate, you know, let's call it superpower is, um, you can find tremendous satisfaction and success in a lot of things beside owning a company. Um, if you're part of the, the small percentage of people who try to be entrepreneurial mm-hmm. and actually succeed at it, it's a phenomenal way to live. But it, I don't think it's better. I just think it, if it's in your DNA and you don't do it, you'll be frustrated. Yeah. And um, if it's not in your DNA, you may think, oh, my gosh, I should be getting on this bandwagon of being my own boss. But you won't probably be good at it because yeah. it's not innately part of your, um, the way you see the planet, the way you see opportunities.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's interesting. And, you know, after I, I left that company, I, you know, I was worked for myself and I was doing actually a lot of options training trading for a while in the 90s and was doing pretty good. And my accountant at the time uh, was surprised at the end of the year that I was making money. And he said, how are you making money at this? He says, because most people, most option traders will end up losing money. And I said, I'm not out for the big kill. I mean, I'll take a $1,000 day, I'll take a $5,000 day. I'll just like, you know, I worked with about a half a dozen stocks and that's it. And I just played those stocks. And then when I was done, I was done, mm. right? It and it's just like I was gambler. ready to stop and I stopped, but I stopped ahead of the game.
1: Yeah, that's what makes a good gambler, right? Someone who, who as, they, as they have the good hand or they, they win, they take some money off the table and put it away, yeah. and they're only willing to lose a certain amount, and then you say, that's it. That's it. I'm not gonna pull money back out of my pocket. Um, okay good options traders follow a formula. Mm-hmm. They, they follow they, they don't get all emotional about it. They don't worry if they have they get excited about good days and they don't get depressed about bad days. They just say tomorrow's another day. Yeah. And it's a great lesson for being a business owner is the I mean I've survived Black Monday, the the dot com crash, the real estate crash, um health issues legal issues um raising a family i mean it's not it's <laughs> it is not a straight trajectory i mean it's a roller coaster um the trick in being successful over 35 years mm-hmm. is uh, that you don't you you don't get overly emotional about any of it yeah you know you just you follow the formula and you play the game yeah which is what you did as well,
0: a doctor yeah and, you know, just right now, I'm thinking about that time with, with the lawnmowers as a kid. We would just follow a formula, right? And we, we would get the lawnmowers for a buck, clean them up, the old Briggs and Stratton engines that, you know, used to be on the mowers. I don't know what's on there now. Put an ad in the Valley Times newspaper, which was where I grew up in Beaverton, and, you know, sell them, like I said, 20, 25, 30 bucks. Thirty-day guarantee. Never had any of them returned, and just did that. You know, we we didn't try to find the thousand-dollar lawnmower. We just kept doing the $20, 25, 30 bucks.
1: Yeah, and you didn't try to. If the price had started going up from one to five to twenty, you would have gotten out of it. Probably, yeah. There was no margin yeah. left. Yeah. And yet, I watch people all the time in their business who will who will say, well, we're cash flowing, we have money coming in, we have customers, but I just can't seem to get ahead. It's because they're working on such tiny margins Mm -hmm. or their operation is so inefficient that they can't, they can't get ahead and they don't understand it. They don't, they don't understand the game they're in.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's a, it's, um, it, but here's the good news. It can be taught. You can learn it. Mm -hmm. Um, but the people that really succeed are the ones, even if they haven't succeeded so far, I, there's a great memory of a guy that I knew who had tried this thing and tried that thing and tried this thing. And he was always coming and pitching me on some new deal he was working on. Mm-hmm. And I finally, like after several years, I said, listen, listen, you're, you're bankrupt. You and your wife and your five children are, are living in your mother and dad's basement. Mm-hmm. Why don't you knock off all this dreaming and just go get a job? You know? And he's like, no, no, this new thing is what's going to work. <laughs> and guess what? It did the, he, he'd had one failure after another, but he kept trying. Uh, sounds like Abraham Lincoln's story. Actually, he kept failing, 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 then became our most beloved president Right and yeah. saved brought the country back together, but this same guy, this friend of mine, all of a sudden it hit, and before I knew it, he was making a half million dollars a month to personally. But but it was only after he could see what what he could see where the opportunity was. He just hadn't learned enough about how to how to um, capitalize. Once he figured it out, he exploded.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: you know, and that's you. You, you keep bringing up these very simple but very brilliant analogies. This lawnmower business of yours was, was a perfect case study in being successful. Buy something that a lot of people want at a super cheap price. Make it look good. Remember, most people can't see. They would never see beyond the dirty, oily, you know, dull. Bl- they'd never see beyond that. Yep. They'd go, no, nope, that's a piece of junk. You guys said, no, no, look, we can clean that. We can sharpen the blades. We can put a new spark plug in. It'll start right up on the first pull, right? And it goes from being basically worthless to the, the lawnmower retailer yep. to becoming really valuable to the person who doesn't want to pay 100 150 bucks or whatever it was yep. they want to pay 20 or 25 You found the market. You provided something. You took away all the mystery by cleaning it. You guaranteed it, and off they went, and you could just do it all day long. It's a, it's um, it's just brilliant, and that that is a a wonderful, simple example of how to become rich Mm -hmm. in business. So
0: I I should go back and get more lawnmowers. Is that we'll get
1: some more lawnmowers? You can buy them (laughs) for a buck, my or even five dollars.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And, you know, it's almost like, you know, I, I was never, I flipped a few houses, but I had friends that, you know, flipped a lot of houses, right? Yeah, yeah. Essentially, we were flipping lawnmowers, you know, so it's like you flip a house, you go in, you paint, you put some light colors in, you touch up, and you turn around and you sell it for $20,000 more. You put it in your pocket and you go to the next house.
1: Yeah, the first time I flipped a house... Now, everybody was able to make market, make money back in that market before 08. You, you, I mean, you'd almost have to be an idiot to not make money and, when it was going up. But I, I did my first house flip and I'm not a realist. This was, this is avocation. It's not my primary mm-hmm. uh, revenue generation, but um, I had an opportunity to buy a house. It was sitting on three acres. It's a home that I'd visited a lot as a teenager because there was this girl that lived there that I was friends with and mm-hmm. I became friends with her family. And when her dad died and the family moved and the mom was going to move out of state, said, Aaron, do you want to buy our house? I bought it. And I went and divided it. Um, cause they had horse pastures. I was able to divide off an acre here, an acre there and leave the house on an acre. We did a little bit of maintenance on the house and we sold the two new building sites and the house itself. And in the course of about six months, I made about $400,000. And I thought, how in the world did I not know about this? Yeah. Like, how is this going on around me? And I was clueless. Yeah. And I, it's an example of the fact that there are so many ways. This was before Home and Garden Television was teaching us, you know, that you can have a fixer-upper, yeah. right? And the fact is, is there are so many ways to make money, so many ways to just solve the need um, of the person who doesn't wanna buy retail, you know, isn't, isn't gonna clean something up. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, the opportunities are, are endless if we just open our eyes.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's what, what I like, at least for, for me for this life and the other entrepreneurs that I know um, they don't get too attached to what they're offering, but what they're offering, if they find that it takes off, they stick with it, and they have a procedure and they have a system and they, you know, just keep turning it out there and turning it out there. Um, I mean, even my brother Bill did that with with Centerpoint and in the meditation and the Holosync tools that that he offered, and all the way to there's people like Russell Brunson at ClickFunnels, which Took his sure. experience making potato guns, and turned it into the, this in, incredible business, and that's now helping other entrepreneurs.
1: Oh yeah, Russell Brunson is a is a great example. Yeah. He's older than he looks, though in his videos. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he looks like he's about twenty eight years old, but uh, but Russell's a tremendous example. And Click is a great company. Yeah. Uh, we've used their services, you know, use their products. Um, But uh, yeah, I agree. It's The opportunities are great. Mm -hmm. People always say, follow your passion. And I'm just completely in the other school. I'm, I'm on the other team. I don't agree with follow your passion. I believe in, if you want to be in business, you want to do something that you can become passionate about. But it's, you know, if I'm a, if I like to, um, walk in the woods. Well, I like to horseback ride. Let's use that. I love to horseback ride. I would love to be riding a horse every single day. However, there's not a lot of money to be made in horseback riding. I could take people on tours. I could rent my horses out, but you're going to make a pittance. You're not going to make money. What I've learned is do something that a lot of people need or that a few people will pay a lot of money for. Do that, Get excited about the results that you're producing for your employee or your, well, your employees too, but your clients.
0: Um,
1: And then out of the success that you're having, out of the abundance that you generate by doing something people actually want to buy with that, then get involved with whatever cause, whatever hobby, whatever um, charity, whatever, whatever. Pursue your passion out of your abundance. So go and, ride horses. Yeah. Well, if it's, well, the other <laughs> I day I had a great opportunity to go ride your horse. I had a speaking opportunity the other day, came up last minute. My team called me, said, can you run over and do this? It's valuable. I said, no. I said, you have access to my calendar. I'm horseback riding that day. They're like, yeah, but can't you cancel that to go do this? I'm like, no, I'm going horseback <laughs> I'm riding horses. That I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to give another talk. Yeah. And I can do it because, you know what my main business is right now? I own this company called Laughlin Associates. Um, Laughlin forms corporations and does corporate board compliance services. There, it sounds like watching paint dry. It does not sound exciting, mm-hmm. right? Oh, let me see. Are you going to be an S-Corp or an LLC? okay. Very, very exciting, right? However, we have tens and tens and tens of thousands of customers. And some of those customers get into challenging situations. And all of a sudden you see how the things we've built for them, protect them, protect their family, protect their employees. And that's, that is exciting. And we've been doing this. The company was 29 years old when I bought it. We're 40 Eight years old now. Wow. Um, I've got about 40 people down in Reno, Nevada that work in that company who do a tremendous job. When I bought it, I was there four days a week. I was flying from Portland down to Reno. Then it was Carson City. But, you know, I haven't even walked in the door for over two years now. Wow. Because when when you build something on a system that works, and I've built over a dozen companies like this, When you build a system that works, once it's moving, it doesn't really need you to be there. So one weekly Zoom meeting, similar to what we're doing now, and that's what I need to do. And out of that abundance now of that very successful company, I can go all around the world and give talks. I could launch the Unshackled Owner Program. Um, That has taken on a life of its own more than I ever anticipated. I I can go work with groups like, you know, we we were discussing a mutual friend of ours, Mary Morrissey. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, she's very involved, as am I, with a group called the Unstoppable Foundation. Mm -hmm. I'm on their board of governors, and, you know, I'm I'm real involved with Unstoppable. We build schools that educate girls in Kenya, right? Over 36,000 kids now we've put through schools in the last 10 years. So I can do all kinds of things that I get excited about because of the abundance of forming corporations, LLCs, doing corporate compliance. Does that make sense? Am I, am I making
0: sense? A- absolutely makes sense. Yeah. And, and I like that analogy because too, I've, I've been both on the do my passion and not do my passion. I mean, like when I was doing the option things, I wasn't particularly like, oh wow, this is my loving passion. It was a way to make money. Sure. Right, and I followed the troughs. I only did call options. I didn't do puts. I just got really good at call, really simple, and you know, just rode the troughs. You know, rode, rode them in and out. And that's all I did. I didn't that's all you need to it. do. Yeah, that's all you need to do. <laughs> yeah, people
1: will learn someday. People will learn that it doesn't have to be difficult. Yeah, I have a I have a, a woman right now. A uh, lovely woman who called me and said, I've been paying to go to all these seminars and take all these courses and I've spent almost a hundred thousand dollars on education and I'm almost out of money and I have zero revenue. And what do I do? And so I started just every night. I said, Here's what you do. Here's exactly what you do every day. And I said, I'll be your accountability partner. You send me a text every night before you go to bed and tell me what you did against the backdrop of the assignment I've given you.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, guess what? This has been going on for less than a month. She's built up a database from zero to a hundred and something people. And she's now getting booked regularly to do her service, which is $2,500 every time she gets booked. She's now making money. Well, it wasn't because her knowledge changed. It wasn't because um, she became more passionate. It wasn't because the world somehow conspired in her favor. No, all it was was she did the one simple thing that she hadn't been doing before, which was just tell people about what you do. Yeah. Just tell somebody, open your mouth, don't be embarrassed. Yeah. And the more, if you do enough marketing, even if it's just, hi, my name's so-and-so and this is what I do, mm-hmm. if you do it enough times, somebody will go, oh, I've been looking for you, yeah. right? And yeah. so many people out there struggle and go, I don't know how to do it and I need a million dollars and if only I could get investors. I'll tell you what, I've built, as I said, I think we're 15 multi-million dollar companies uh, that have survived and thrived. And um, a few dogs as well. But I've had a lot of success and I've never had an investor. Never one time. We've bootstrapped every single thing we've ever done. And if you look at the big success stories out there, they they were willing to live low while they built the business. And then when the business was successful, then they started taking money. And pretty soon, they're making way more money than the other people working for them. but only because they took the risk and made sure all of those people's payroll got made before they got paid. That everything else was taken care of before they got paid. During the recession, we didn't fire our employees. My partner and I took a 75% pay cut. And we both ended up having to sell our homes and move into rentals, but none of those employees got fired. Why? Because I knew that when the market came back, we would need them. So let's keep them going, even through the bad time, even when it was slow, keep them alive, so that they would be there when things got better. And guess what? It, it paid off in spades.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've, I've is, done that too, and, and, and I had a business through that time, and um, there were people that would come in, I've, I've owned yoga studios, and mm. uh, people would, would come in and say, well, I can't afford to pay because of the economy. You know, seven, eight, you know, nine kind of stuff. And that yeah. period of time. And I said, Well, what can you pay? Can you pay this? And they go, Yeah. And I said, Okay, keep coming. Yeah. And those years were some of my best years ever because all those people that wanted to quit because they couldn't afford, you know, a hundred bucks a month to come to class stayed. And now they're still there. I've since sold that studio. But yeah, I mean, it, it's when we take care of our employees. And when we take care of our customers, even through those tough times, people tend to stay. People tend to appreciate that.
1: We released so many. I mean, hundreds, maybe thousands, maybe a few thousand. So many people from contracts they had with us Mm -hmm. saying, all we ask is that when things get better, that you'll at least consider coming back to us. Yeah. And you know what? So many of them came back Yeah. and they're, they're loyal forever. They're loyal customers. Cause we were loyal to them when they were down. Yeah. And same thing with employees. We've had employees go through divorce, go through illness. Um, one employee worked for me for, well, he's still there. Um, he's been with the company about 25 years and he, he needed, um, uh, he had one kidney and, and, uh, he needed a transplant and he was on the edge of death all the time. You know, um, the paramedics got called in almost every week to revive him. He'd, he'd pass out or something, but he was a great employee when he was awake and (laughs) we just waited out with him. And then he finally, after years, after over a decade, got that transplant he needed. He's vigorous and strong now. And I'll tell you what, I don't think he would ever leave the company because he knows we value him mm-hmm. and he knows we, we demonstrated that when he really, you know, other people might not have wanted to keep him on with all the challenges. Yeah. All I know is when you take good care of people, those people will take care of you. That's true in your family. It's true in your church. It's true in your social groups. And it's certainly true in your business. And it's a tremendous lesson to learn is that when we make sure that we understand people are our most important resource, mm-hmm. that- the most important commodity that we can work for and with um, will end up making smart choices as owners. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, 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 and the payday for the owner is tremendous when you've made sure everybody else is okay first. Mm-hmm. And then, then I had a guy yesterday, he owns a string of companies in England. And he said, you know, I don't even pay myself out of this one company because I'm so ashamed of the fact that we haven't been more successful here. So I just keep investing in it, but I don't take any money out because I don't feel like I've earned it yet. But he's paying all of his employees, but he's saying, I have to leave the money in the company. I don't feel like I've earned a paycheck from that thing that he's making millions of dollars in revenue. But he feels like he's not. it's not right for him to take money out yet. That's a good steward of a business.
0: Yeah, well, let, let me ask you a question because I kind of challenge that thinking a little bit and this is go, why. Yeah, go. and you may have this experience too. I don't know, but you know, I have a company called yoga business expert and okay. I've worked with yoga studios all over the world on building their business, et cetera. And virtually every time that I would have a new client come aboard and I would ask them, do you pay yourself every month? And they say, no, only if I have anything left over after expenses. And I said, well, part of what I'm hearing from you is you don't have enough money. And so you are part of those expenses. So even if you start paying yourself today $500 a month, you're gonna start to get used to receiving that money. And it changed so many places. I cannot tell you how many times I went from $500 to $5,000 a month in four to six months, just by taking that money, by recognizing that their value is so high. And essentially, I mean, a couple of them, I even said, sell your business, go buy some golf clubs and be a golfer because it's a cheaper hobby, right? Yeah. So I always encourage those clients to start to pay themselves something.
1: So, So I
0: consult a lot of companies Mm-hmm.
1: and um and some of them pretty big but let's talk about the size that you're talking about so i always tell people okay you have to make a decision of what is the actual value of working on this project see people think of their business as somehow like their arm or something like they have to have this yeah well they don't yeah. they don't have to have that business right. and so i always say well why are you doing it? What's your motivation for doing this, for taking this risk, for being responsible, for taking on these debts? What, what's your motivation? And most of the time, they don't, they've never thought of that. They just thought, oh, I love yoga or I love whatever. And well, they've been doing it yeah. and they're doggedly trying to make a go of it, but they're not making any money. Yeah. I, I always come back and say, look, figure out what, what, how much do you want to make? Mm -hmm. I want to make $5,000 a month. I want to make $10,000 a month. I want to make something. And I always say, well, tell me, what do you need to live on where you could breathe at least? You can go to the grocery store. You can go out on date night. You're not worried about your bills. How much is that? Okay, well, it's $4,000 a month. Okay. So let's start figuring out right now what we need to do to get you very briskly to that number. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because if you can't get to it, and that's your minimum survival number, then we ought to consider getting rid of this. Yeah. We ought to consider tossing it out and doing something else. So I I agree with you completely. What I guess I was trying to say was the we have ups and downs in our business.
0: Yeah.
1: We, as the owner, we deserve, in my opinion, to receive the fruits of our risk. But when when things go down, instead of saying, oh, well, we're going to slash to the bone because I don't want to cut my paycheck, then you it's like you're going out and saying, I have this goose that lays golden eggs normally, but they're not really laying very well right now, so I'm just going to eat the goose.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And then there will be no goose that lays golden eggs.
0: <laughs> it will be, both will be gone, the eggs and the goose.
1: Yeah, and so it's short-sighted to to not understand that um, it's okay for the owner to take the hit when the economy is down or when things are challenging and it's okay for the owner to take the benefit when things are good. Sure. But what, whatever it is that, that makes the business work, which is in, in successful companies is way more than just the owner. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: normally sometimes it's despite the owner yeah. um, that you need to take care of that so a farmer does it with their fields or with their flocks and uh, entrepreneurs need to do it with their people. Um, and, and look at those things, not as an expense, but as an investment. And how am I going to get a return on my investment?
0: Yeah. I, I, I know that we could just dive way into this and talk about yeah, this.
1: We're, we've gone way all, into our time
0: here. Yeah. There's a couple of things that I want to touch base on though, but before we, we do end the call today, um, yeah. Number one is, you know, we're we're talking a lot about all these successful businesses and um, you've built a number of multi-million dollar businesses. And you mentioned that you might have a couple of dogs in there. So, you know, if you're willing to talk about one of those dogs, that would be really great. And then maybe after we talk about that is maybe three ideas or something that the listener may be able to. Um, Used to help them as an entrepreneur or in their business um, right away. Some th- like three easy steps, kind of thing. So t- tell us about a dog. Something you might be willing to reveal. In what yeah. happened? There's there's lots of <laughs> lots. Of, um, yeah,
1: the, the I I sort of um, alluded to this a little while ago. It's what led me into that job that I ended up mm-hmm. with. But I I had sold my first company. I was one of the first recycling companies in the Portland metro area back um, starting in 1983. I sold that in 86 and started, um, I opened my first cellular phone store and this was when cell phones still cost $3,000 and were 40 cents a minute to talk on them. Um, We had a big installation shop because a lot of the, the transceivers went underneath your seat and Mm -hmm. you had a curly cord that mounted on your dash, just like a, the home phone was at that time. Yeah. And we built it up and ended up with multiple locations and this, this install shop and we're doing very well. Uh, the carrier that we sold for was called GTE MobileNet. Mm-hmm. And back then GTE and Cellular One were the two providers in the Portland area. And um, anyway, we all got called into a meet, all the, all the agents got called into a meeting at GTE one day. And we're told, as of this meeting, immediately, your commission structure is changing, how we pay is changing, your um, co-op advertising is changing, everything's changing. Well, most of the people who were in the industry were older than me, and they, they all went and closed down. <laughs> they, they were able to read the writing on the wall. But because... I'd had good success with my first thing. I'd been riding a wave of success with the cellular business for several years. Um, and I was young. I was in my 20s. And I just, I thought, I know better than these other people that are chickening out. And I'm going to stick in. And I doubled down. And I took all my savings out of the company, and all my credit lines, and all my personal credit line, and my mortgage on my house. I took a loan a HELOC home equity line of credit. And I, I took everything I had and I kept pouring it in. I kept paying people. I kept the doors open. And all of a sudden I was hundreds of thousands of dollars upside down with no way out. It was only getting worse every month. <laughs> and um, I remember sitting there uh, with my wife pregnant with our second child, <coughs> pardon me, um, nine months pregnant, great big belly, sitting in bankruptcy court, you know, uh, going through a bankruptcy in, in my late 20s. And um, and then we had about 12 to 18 months of me just scrambling to get the next idea figured out. And, and um, I, we were on something called Gleaners. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but it's where they take like the the lettuce and the milk and the bread from the grocery stores that are, that are beyond their pull date. They have to get them out of the store and we could pay $11 a month to go over and a couple times a week, get a box full of food that was past their, their uh, dates on their labeling and go home and eat. And there were times I had to ask the people to hold my $11 check because it wouldn't clear. Wow. Yeah. So I went from being, like really young, hot shot, successful, to really, really broke. And you know, I think part of the the lesson as I reflect back on this is that we were broke, but we never felt that we were poor. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. It was a Absolutely. mental yeah. It was a temporary situation. We were trying to figure out how do we get out of this. Mm-hmm. And by the skin of our teeth, held onto our home. And um lot of times gave $20 to my wife and said, this is what we've got for food this week besides gleaners. And um, my wife, who's just an intelligent, beautiful angel, figured out a way to make it work. Um, So for those who are listening and think that some people who are successful have had an easier way of getting there, they had breaks, they had Family, they had education or something. Look, I got. I graduated from Benson High School in Portland, Oregon, with a 1.9 GPA. I couldn't get into into a real college. I went to one year of junior college, dropped out, started my business. Um, that's the extent of my formal education. Um, I've had a bankruptcy. I've battled with the government. I've spent millions of dollars on legal fees over the years. I've hired hundreds and hundreds of employees and built over a dozen very successful businesses. We live a life now. If you met me now and came to my home or hung out with us, you'd go, oh, well, this is, you know, this is not typical. Well, it's not typical, but this is unattainable. And to which I would say, "Mm, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's, it's very attainable. You just have to be willing to learn how to learn how to build something that will grow and will last instead of just shooting from the hip. There is a recipe. If you use a chocolate chip cookie recipe and you follow the recipe, you're going to get chocolate chip cookies. You're not gonna get waffles. You're not gonna get a bicycle. You're gonna get cookies. Okay? If you learn the recipe, that's, that's why you see certain people start companies over and over and over and over again. You go, oh my gosh, they're so lucky. They're not lucky they've learned how to do it. And then you see other people who have one giant meteoric success and then they can never repeat it because they never really knew how they did it in the first place. Yeah. So the answer is I've had dogs, I've had challenges. Um, but when you learn the process, you'll, you'll be able to be successful repeatedly in any industry. Um, it's not easy but it's totally doable and it yeah. gets easier because the more times you succeed the more times people will say oh yeah i'll buy your stuff cuz i know you've whatever you've done in the past was good so i'll i'll be your customer now yeah. you know you grow your customer base much more quickly on your second third fourth you know thing
0: sure Sure.
1: And tips. You wanted some tips.
0: Well, I think even there you you threw in some tips, even just about the recipe and following a system and uh, repeating that and continuing to do that. Because, like, if you put too much butter in, in a chocolate chip cookie in a batch, it's not going to work. If you don't put very many chocolate chip cookies in, it's not going to work very well. If you put too many in, it's not going to work. You need to find that recipe that works and repeat. And I know for even for myself, I have a procedure manual. I work for myself at home and I have a procedure manual for myself and what I do. So I love that. And, you know, it
1: immediately makes me think about that controller working back there. You have a brain that understands that there's there needs to be a system. Yeah. that's See, I would be terrible managing money, like actually managing the the – entries because i'm i get distracted too easily and so you can when somebody's got that accountant brain that engineer brain they'll figure out systems for everything i bet your garage is organized too uh i bet you're able to pack your suitcase very efficiently and get a lot of stuff in it because you just see that there's a system that makes you more effective
0: yeah Yeah. i love that there is and i think that's true for for all of our um, for most of what we do, there's a system. There's a system for brushing your teeth, as, as silly as that sounds. No, there's in, a system the for yoga, right?
1: Pardon me? There's, and for yoga, right? You get better as you do it, but it's yeah. always a practice. Yeah, absolutely. Yoga is always a practice because some days you're going to be more flexible than other days. Absolutely, right? yeah. But the trick is if you keep going and working on getting the stance just right, and perf- your muscles get stronger, your muscle memory comes back, and it gets easier, even if you've been sick or been injured or whatever, to come back, because you've learned how to do it right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, I'll tell you, if people want tips, since we, we're out of time, I think.
0: Yeah, um, we we are out about out of time. Yeah.
1: If you don't mind me doing a shameless plug, I'll tell them how they can get twenty tips for free. Okay. Is do that it. fair? Yes. Well, if you just go to my my um, website, Aaron Scott. Young, A-A-R-O-N-S-C-O-T-T-Y-O-U-N-G, aaronscottyoung.com. As soon as you log on, uh, at the very top, there's a, a download, and it's a PDF. You can buy a physical book, but you can get the PDF of a little small book that I wrote called The Critical 20. And this goes all the way from, is your idea even any good, all the way through the cycle of a business, to when should you replace yourself? And it's free and it's on there. And we've had many tens of thousands of downloads of that little book. And I've written other bigger books. And that little simple book, I get more comments back on that because you can read each chapter in about two minutes, three minutes. And um, it just gives you the the guts. It doesn't give you any fluff. It's just right down to business. And I, I hope that Somebody will download
0: it and get some value out of it. Yeah, I, I, I like that you, you mentioned that. And just for the listeners, especially if you're listening on Stitcher, iTunes, or again, one of the other platforms, if you go to FallingUpRadio.com, you'll see this episode with Aaron. And there will be a page there. And all the links or the link that you just mentioned will be there as well as several of your other links will be there too. Yeah, um, So, this has been really great. I I know we could go on for a long time, but um, I was just kind of thinking about some of the things that we touched base base on today and some of what I learned and and some of what what you shared with us that, again, having a system is critical for business. Failure just happens and we we move through it. And if we have faith, we we can move through it and, and we can do whatever it is that we want. And Um, Again, no no matter what it is that that you're doing, find that recipe that that will make it work. And um, maybe everybody isn't all cut out for the entrepreneur life, but you know it when you are. And um, there's multiple reasons I'm an an entrepreneur myself, um, not the least of which I can be stubborn, controlling, arrogant, and it would be really hard for somebody to hire me. You know, they, they would go, how can I hire you? And so... You know, that, that freedom yeah, that yeah, I a have. Surgeon,
1: a good Pardon? lawyer, a good surgeon. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, again, I, I really appreciate that uh, you're here. Again, your website, AaronScottYoung.com.
1: And that's where yeah, they let me tell you why. Are,
0: the 20 tips. You
1: said this at the beginning, Michael. There's a musician named Aaron Young and he owns all the real estate that's Aaron Young everywhere, <laughs> LinkedIn, Facebook, online, everywhere. So yeah. I had to put my middle name in. So you, if you look at Aaron Scott Young, you'll find me on YouTube, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, everywhere. That There's a platform, Aaron Scott yeah. Young,
0: yeah. me, is there. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I know you're a musician too, but that, that's for maybe another show. So. That's a different show, and I'm not as famous as the other guy. yeah. yeah. So I just wanted to remind uh, the listeners again, too, that at the website, you can get uh, this book, Download Free PDF, Falling Down, Getting Up, as well as some other goodies. You'll find all of Aaron's information. And I really invite you, too, that if you enjoyed this show, share it with your friends, give it to your friends, and subscribe so you, you don't miss any other shows. We're going to have some more amazing guests coming up this year. I'm not going to tell you all of them, but... Um, I'm really excited to um, have them here. And again, Aaron, you know, really thank you for being here. And I look forward to being able to uh, meet you on stage with Les Brown. Isn't that going
1: to be fun? Yeah, guys, come join us. If you're, if you're hearing this before April 24th of 2019, and you're anywhere close to Bend, Oregon, or willing to drive over from Portland or Eugene, Salem, I mean, come come be with us. It's going to be a great night.
0: Yeah, it's going to be awesome.
1: It's going to be a lot of fun. All
0: All right, right, so Aaron, hold on. And again, thank you uh, for being here. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.